Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Down the years you may have seen me on the telly or heard me on the wireless, but this is different. This is the Brian Taylor podcast brought to you by The Herald. In today's episode... I, I just think Keir Starmer's gone down completely the wrong path, pathway with this. Either he's not listening to the people of Scotland or he, he doesn't understand what's going on up here. For me, Labour is the party of devolution. You know, we have to be the party of progress. And I think there is an opportunity for, to park aside our political colours, get around the table and, and work that out. But it can only work if, if all parties are willing to do that. And if, if we're going to use the Scottish Parliament solely as a mechanism for gripe and grievance about the UK government, it's never going to work. Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor, very warm welcome to my latest Herald podcast. Now on the show today we'll be looking at the cost of living, the economy generally, those controversial COVID passports and some fallout from the Labour conference and Keir Starmer's speech today. I'm delighted to welcome three prominent MSPs to discuss all that and probably quite a lot more. Rona Mackay from the SNP, Jamie Green from the Conservatives and Monica Lennon from the Labour Party. First, let's bring in the, the Herald's own David Ball. David, on the economy, three big issues, loads happening, obviously, but three big issues to the fore, perhaps furlough, universal credit and energy prices. Just bring us up to speed, if you would. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, FMQs today, Anna Sawa, claims that Scotland was facing a cost of living crisis. Um, we've got energy prices, which the cap is going up by about £139 um, later this week. Um, the statistics showing that more than 600,000 people in Scotland are already living in fuel crisis and fuel poverty. Um, and obviously we've got universal credit coming to uh, the uplift coming to an end. And um, despite warnings that that could put thousands of Scottish families into poverty. And, and as you rightly said, the furlough scheme um, coming to an end, although we knew about it, there are a lot of vacancies. Um, Kate Forbes yesterday said that vacancies are about 33% higher than they were pre-pandemic. Uh-huh. There is worries about a sort of a skill shortage and getting the right people to the right jobs. Yes, And we're kind of seeing the sort of first real impacts of, of Brexit and the, that immigration policy which is having on sort of Scotland's workforce. Not exactly. Uh, Jamie Green, it's not exactly an, an ideal picture of the economy. To say the least, it's challenging. And, you know, some of that is driven by economic change. Some of that is driven by the, the, uh, the, this hideous plague that we've all been confronting. But the, the removal of the universal credit uplift is a, is a, is a, a decision taken by UK Conservative government. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. And I think it's right to point out uh, that we are in the context of very strange and difficult times. We're not the only country, not just Scotland, all four nations of the UK, but every Western country, every European country will be uh, struggling with the same issues at the moment in terms of their economy. And actually, I think we've managed to fare reasonably well, considering that we had to shut down everything. We had to shut down the entire economy for nearly 18 months. uh, And I'm pleased that that's now reopening. But you know, there, there is always the risk to think it's complete doom and gloom uh, and, and also forgetting those success stories that we've had as well. Uh, the fact that people are going back into work, that unemployment rates are historically low, that vacancy rates are historically high. And, and I think every government, you know, regardless of its political colour and flag, is doing its level best to try and get the economy back up and running and get people into well-paid work, because really that's what all governments want. But do you accept, Jamie? I'll bring in the others in a moment. But do you accept, Jamie, that the, the removal? And I admit it was it was a, it was meant to be a temporary uplift in twenty quid. But the, the virus is not over. The plague is not over. The economic impact is not over. Do you accept that that's going to cause hardship for some families in Scotland, perhaps many thousands of families in Scotland? 
I, th- I think that the clue there is in your question. It, it was always very clear uh, that it was a temporary uplift. Um, it was actually due to expire more than six months ago, and yeah. uh, the Scottish Conservatives campaigned heavily and lobbied uh, the UK government to, to try and extend that, as did other parties, to be fair to other members. Uh, so, you know, we were all on the same page on that. We felt that it was still too soon in the pandemic. But as I said, there are very few industries which are now prohibited from operating uh, 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 due to restrictions. Uh, you know, people are going back to work. And, and I genuinely think that the focus on the 20 pound uplift does divert from a much wider problem in, in society okay. and indeed in Scotland. And that's that we must get people back into work. Monica Lennon, then Ronan Mackay. Monica, first, what, what, what do you make of the, the, the picture of the economy that Scotland is confronting at the moment? The, I mean, the, the, the furlough was always going to be temporary. The uplift was meant to be temporary. Surely it's reasonable to remove those. Well, I think Anna Sarwar today at First Minister's Questions was absolutely right to go on the cost of living crisis. It feels like we're facing a a winter of discontent. And what we're reflecting in the Scottish Parliament is what people are telling us. Um, Today, I was outside the Parliament speaking to uh, a rally, people from the Scottish um, Older People's Assembly, retired trade unionists, but older people who are genuinely terrified about what it's going to be like this winter in terms of the cost of heating their homes, the cost yeah. of food, everything's going up. So people are really frightened. And at the same time, um, many are still afraid to go outside. They're, they're trying to access their GP and they're having difficulty doing that. So there's there's a lot, as Jamie says, there's a lot, I think, to be optimistic about. You know, the, the worst of the pandemic feels like it's over. You know, we really need to get on and get people vaccinated. But in terms of the economic shock, I think that's just starting to hit people and you know from where um, I sit well when I'm back home in, in, in Lanarkshire um, we've got Martin Spencer pulling out of Hamilton we've got Virgin Money last night um, announcing several brand closures Dawn Fresh in Uddingston yeah. who employ 300 people uh, in Lanarkshire shutting down and, and people can try and, and relocate to Arbroath people in Lanarkshire no offence to Arbroath but people are not looking to relocate they want to have jobs uh, and be able to afford to live in their own community support their families it is an uncertain time and what I would say in addition to what we've heard about universal credit I think that the Tory government have got this wrong and hopefully Tory conference will be an opportunity for their members to tell ministers that um, but alongside the, 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 the furlough which of course we knew was coming to an end but what we're seeing right across um, Scotland and the UK is fire and rehire and people are very, very frightened now because it's not just about do you have a job. Yeah. People's terms and conditions are under attack like never yeah. before. Uh-huh. And in the UK, we've got anti-trade union legislation. So that's why I think we do really need to, to show some solidarity and, and support. Do you have any unions left in the Labour Party, Monica? <laughs> well, Jamie, that, that could be funny if we're in a bar or something, but you know, seriously, what we need to do is help people to get into trade unions because right now we're seeing people um, okay. can't even afford to be in a trade union because they're in precarious work, they're on a zero hour contract and right now people are thinking, can they even afford to be in a trade union? But absolutely, people should be in a trade union and Labour okay. will always support right. the trade union. Right, thanks for that. I'm, I'm glad you weren't rude about our broth. My, my, my grandmother was a sink from our broth, so, so, so there we are. Ronan Ron Mackay, what, what do you make of the circumstances we're confronting on, on the economy? Once again, the furlough was, was temporary and has helped thousands of people. The uplift was temporary. It's, it's not as if it's, it's cutting uh, a, a pre-existing benefit. This was a COVID benefit. 
Yeah, I mean, I first of all, I just want to agree with everything Monica said, actually, um, you know, her, her various points that she raised. But, you know, the, the, the phrase perfect storm, I think, is a bit of a cliche. But I think in this case, that is actually what we're moving into this winter. I think it's dire. I mean, it's um, everything coming together, you know, the end of universal credit uplift, the furlough, um, national insurance hikes and the energy um, prices going up. Energy it's just going to hit. Yeah. It's just going yeah. to hit people so, so hard. Um, on the way to Parliament today, I was listening to the, a radio programme and, and I heard a woman crying as she described how she was going to have to tell her children that they couldn't have certain things that other children take for granted. Uh-huh. In other words, they were going to have to make do with even less now than they did you know, a few months ago. I think it's incredibly callous um, of the UK government to, to be uh, snatching this universal credit away at this time. We're still in the middle of a pandemic and with all the other things that are going on, it's just incomprehensible. We had a debate in Parliament on Tuesday, I think it was, yes. on, on this subject, and I have never heard so many passionate, excellent speeches from across the chamber. Um, isn't, isn't Jamie, I'll, I'll bring in Jamie Green himself in a minute, but Rona Mackay, isn't Jamie Green right when he says the focus has got to be upon getting people into employment rather than perhaps sustaining them on uh, admittedly temporarily enhanced benefits. Well, of course, we always want to get people into employment. I mean, there's there, there's no arguing with that. But but you have to look at the the, the, the short term, well, the, the immediate rather um, pain that this is going to cause, uh-huh. um, because you can't just walk into a job, you know, within a couple of months. There's a lot of applications, etc. And then, of course, we also have the uh, staff shortages being caused by Brexit, and that's that's even hitting the health and social care sector, as as the first minister said in par- in Parliament today. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, and, and it's, it's just spreading throughout. And I think this is the tip of the iceberg, to be quite honest. hate to be so depressing, but um, I think that everything coming together at this time is is terrible. And, and, and the galling thing is the yeah. UK government were warned about the impact of Brexit, which is now coming together. Jamie, Jamie Green, d- d- defend your party and your government. Loads of luck, by the way. Brian, I always appreciate your kind words and and, uh, and enthusiasm. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I'm not a member of the UK government. I sit in the opposition party. But it is a good, important point because my job is to hold the Scottish government to account, and that's why I find the SNP position on this rather intriguing. I know that I, I look. I understand the politics of all this. Yeah, I know how this stuff plays out in the media. But if we need to dig below the surface of this, what are we actually talking about here? This is a policy which costs six billion pounds per year. This is a numbers game. And as simple as I would say to the SNP government in Scotland, who have devolved powers over Social Security, if they are so incensed about this, if they're so unhappy about this, what are they going to do about it? The, the problem they've got is, and this is a, a direct question uh, to, to, to Rona, is you know how much this policy costs. Where is the money going to come from your budget to pay for it? So they, they have the power, uh, social security powers, to introduce new benefits or top up existing ones. They could do that if they wanted to. It's a political choice not to, because I suspect they know how much this costs. Jimmy, thanks. Rona, Rona Mackay, that this is something that was raised with the First Minister at, at, at yeah. our question time session. Yeah. Well, well, Jamie knows perfectly well we are on a fixed budget from Westminster and we have no borrowing powers. So as much as we would like to mitigate all these disastrous policies that the UK government are implementing, it's simply impossible for us so to... So where do does the money come 
from though, Laura? It's this not. is the key point. Where does the money come from? Kate Forbes herself, Scottish Finance Secretary, said that all governments must work within their means and their limits. So she wants to work within her government's limits, but she doesn't want the UK government, government to work within its limits. Where is all this money coming from? Rona Mackay then, Monica. Rona then, Monica. Well, I mean, I think the UK government have far more levers um, to pull than we do. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, I could mention a million things. Trident being one of them and, and lots of other things that money has been spent on that we don't want to spend up here in Scotland. Like ferries that don't sell, for example. Yeah. to injury today. We hear that Richie Sunak's, um, he's, uh, he's giving £500 million in a household support grant, almost as if to try and offset the, the, the end of universal credit. So that's £500 million against £6 billion that they're, they're removing uh, for universal credit. That doesn't add up, and I just think it's, a, it's, it's just a, a, a cynical move, quite honestly. Joseph Brownfield Tree Foundation have said yeah. that very thing. It will not fix the fundamental inadequacy well, of our social security system. But you're doing nothing about it. You're doing Monica, nothing about it, Monica Lennon. Monica Lennon, you, 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 your, your leader Anasawa raised this issue of you know bringing in some top up benefits in Scotland and and got the answer that Rona Mackay has just given, which is it's within a fixed budget. It, it is impossible to mitigate every change that comes from it from a UK level. And he challenged Anasawa, and I now challenge you: um, where are you going to find the cash if you want to spend and and create additional benefits in Scotland? Well, I think we have to be ambitious. Um, Today we've talked a lot about the problems in society and the challenges people face, but they elect us, regardless of our party colour, to roll up our sleeves, to turn up in Parliament and to fix this. There's a lot of money actually kicking around the system right now in Scotland. So if we stick to the point about work and making work pay... 12 months ago, the Scottish Government announced a Green Jobs Fund of £100 million, and that hasn't reached any sector yet. It's not any jobs yet. So so there is an appetite in the business community to be innovative and to create the green jobs of the future that we need. So there's things that we can do to accelerate that. You would take away that £100 million from the Green Jobs Fund and spend it on benefits? Oh no, that hundred million pounds has been announced, but um, it hasn't where, where reached you, anyone where, yet. Where are you finding? You, 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 you're saying you're saying that the UK government is falling short on benefits. The Scottish government should make up the gap. Where are you going to find that cash? So we we have the levers in Scotland, and I don't think I'll be part of the budget talks with, with Kate okay. Forbes. But if she's listening, Kate, I'm, I'm happy to come and have a chat. But we absolutely have to get round the table and work together to tackle child poverty because we have set statutory targets and this parliament we have a duty to work together not to argue and make cheap points to each other we have to work this out that's why scottish labor is saying we have to work together to increase um, the scottish child payment to 20 pounds a week and then work beyond that to quadruple that because if we don't because if we don't it will cost us longer uh, cost us more in, in the longer term and we all know the arguments on here but look at what's happening around drug and alcohol deaths, look at what's happening in mental health and suicide and trauma yeah. we've got the worst drug death rate in the world if we continue to let child poverty get out of control that's going to be more young people that don't see their 21st birthday don't live to be 35 or 40 is that the kind of country we want to live in so rather than me and Rona and Jamie having a pop at each other I think actually we can work together 
either. And, okay. you know, sometimes in the UK, we'll have to say, well, we don't agree with what Boris and the Tories are doing, but in the Scottish Parliament, we can work together. Right. I think that's what people want to hear from us. Thanks. I'm going to bring in David Ball. David, this is an issue about pounds and pence, but it's also, as, as was demonstrated at First Minister's Questions and is demonstrated regularly, it's also an issue about power, where, where power lies, isn't it? Where does the power lie with Westminster? Does the power lie, lie in, in the, the devolved authority at, at well, that's right. I mean, Rona mentioned um, the Joseph Roundtree, Roundtree Foundation raising concerns about universal credit, which they have. But they've also um, stressed that the Scottish government isn't using the powers it has to its to their full extent to, to help lift people out of poverty. So I think, yeah, both both governments have responsibility for this and they both have different levers. Uh, some may, may be more restricted than others. But as you said, both governments have an opportunity to, to show, to prioritise things and to, to to do more, essentially. Can, can, I, can I respond? Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I, I just want to respond to Monica's invitation to, to work cross-party on these important issues like our drug desk crisis, like the NHS. Okay. Uh, and and, and the child poverty uh, issue in Scotland that has been generational since I was young. I grew up in a council state in Greenock. I know exactly what she's talking about. I've lived through it. And I think there is an opportunity for, to park aside our political colours, get around the table and, and work that out. But it can only work if, if all parties are willing to do that. And if, if we're going to use the Scottish Parliament solely as a mechanism for gripe and grievance about the UK government, it's never going to work. Hang on a minute, Monica. Ronald yeah. Kai, I think he means you when he's talking about you, using the Scottish Parliament for gripe and grievance against I, the UK government. I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all for working together and, and, I, and I try not to be tribal, but there are facts that cannot be ignored. I mean, you have to look at the reality of this. Of course, we want to, to uh, eradicate poverty. We want to, um, you know, double payments. We want to do it. Of course, who wouldn't? But you have to look at the hard facts. As I said before, fixed budget, no, no borrowing powers. And we believe that we can only do go down that road that we want to go down with our own, um, you know, our own, our own independent uh, government. And we can't, at the moment, we're, we're doing everything with one hand tied behind our back. And, and yes, we will happily, happily try and, um, uh, you know, agree about issues. But at the end of the day, there's going to be the roadblock of us not having the, enough money or certain powers to do what we want to do. And that's Monica Lennon, that challenge was was put to Anna Sawar by the First Minister. You know, if you if you if you will the ends, you have to will the means, and the means, according to the First Minister, uh, would be independent, autonomous control of the budget. Well, I think I think more power should come to the Scottish Parliament, but there is a frustration that we're not using all the powers that we have in a progressive way. So I think ideally we could have more discussion in the Parliament out with the debates of First Minister's questions. I have a concern that the the SNP Green Cooperation Agreement will exclude the rest of us. I hope it, I hope it won't. I think the budget will be a real test. There is a worry that um, mm. Kate Ford will feel, you know, I've got the Greens on board, I've got the numbers, I don't need to talk to the other parties. I think that would be a real shame. That would be a missed opportunity. And hopefully that spirit of cooperation will extend to everyone in the Parliament. OK. Uh, Jamie Green, fight. Got, yeah, please go on Sorry, sorry, Brian. No, I can't, on, can't speak for Kate, but um, I'm quite certain that all parties will be included as as usual in the in, in the budget talks. I'd be, you know, I think that's a, a given, actually. So, um, but yeah, Jimmy, I mean, I, you know, let, less squabbling, more more, more um, agreement. But that there are certain um, re- realities that have to be faced. 
Okay, let, 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 let's squabble in more, more, more agreement. I'm going to call that one to, to a halt, if you, if you don't mind, and we'll move on to another topic. I'm going to ask David to remind us of, of the basics. That's the, the, the business of coronavirus passports registration. We had a court verdict this morning, didn't we, David? And, of course, it was a, a big ramay once again at First Minister's Questions. David, bring us up to speed, if you would. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, these um, vaccine passports have been rumbling around for a couple of weeks now, but um, essentially from tomorrow morning, those wishing to attend sort of the high-risk settings, sort of nightclubs, or whatever nightclub actually is, large outdoor and indoor gatherings must sort of prove their vaccination status. Um, opposition parties and businesses basically don't like it. And there was a court case brought um, by the Nighttime Industries Association to try and halt the this sort of plan, um, but it was thrown out this morning. Um, basically, businesses will now have until October the 18th to sort of um, start enforcing it, which Nicholas Sturgeon said was a grace period. Yeah. Um, but um, again, Douglas Ross brought it up at um, First Minister's Questions again, warning about lack of consultation, as he said it, and the fact that they're kind of just breezing ahead without the plans completely being in place. I mean, the app that people show to sort of prove their vaccination status still yeah. hasn't been, uh, you still can't download it. Um, and that, I mean, it rolls okay. out tomorrow morning. That doesn't sound wonderful, Rona, does it? It doesn't sound as if it's ready. And the fact that there's a grace period sounds as if it's an admission that, you know, basically the scheme's been brought in without full preparation. Is that right? Well, I, I don't think that's right at all. I mean, I think it's, it's ironic that, you know, um, the Conservatives constantly say that we should be talking to business, listening to them. And when we actually do that, and then we bring in this grace period, um, which we, you know, we, we think is being very fair to them, they complain that we've done it. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely a, a no-win situation. And, you know, the, 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 the fact of the matter is that the Conservatives have opposed everything that we have tried to do um, since the start of this pandemic. And... I, I can't. I that's just not can't. true. That is simply not true. <laughs> you, you, I'll bring you in a minute, Jamie. Rona, are you yeah. saying that just as oppositionalism? It's just simply opposing for the sake of opposing, for the sake I, of being. I can't good. think what else it would be because it doesn't make any sense. This nobody wants to bring in restrictions. Nobody wants to um, restrict people's freedoms. But I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're trying to keep people safe. Um, and, and I mean. I, I'll be honest. I mean, yeah, my, my days of going to nightclubs are, are long gone. I admit sure that. <laughs> but um, I don't think they would let me in, actually. But um, but I sometimes have to pinch myself when I hear us arguing constantly about nightclubs. Now I know they're important. I know it's a, a, a huge industry and they're important to young people. Um, but this is us trying to keep nightclubs open. And if, if this is what it takes, then that's what we have to do. And it's it's just. I think you know there's a thousand people in hospital just now. With, with coronavirus, I think we need to get things into perspective when it comes to to the arguments that we're so, hearing. So the nightclub industry should just basically put up and put, uh, just shut up. And, and, no, and I don't and think so. With. I mean, they're perfectly they're perfectly within their right to challenge decisions that, that are taken, mm. um, and, and they did that, and they lost, and and, and that's lost emphatically, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's fine, but I, I just think there needs to be a bit more reasonable as we are trying. What, to- what about? I'll bring in Jamie in a second and Monica. But what about David Ball's point? You know, the the app isn't ready. The the we don't have a proper definition of a nightclub. It's it's just not ready. And the reason that we know it's not ready is that the, the first minister is saying, uh, you know, basically we ain't going to implement it. We ain't going to uh, enforce it for at least a fortnight. Well, I don't think that's why we're doing that. Actually, I think we're just giving a period of grace so that that um, owners um, can actually. Um, get used get to it. 
that way of working. And um, right. yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no perfect um, way we're going to deal with this. Okay. But I think if people just understand we're doing it because we're trying to keep young people safe and we are desperately needing to get more of an uptake of young people having on, vaccinations. Jamie Green, are those reasonable objections, reasonable objectives rather, and, and are you guys just objecting for the sake of it? Well, if that was the case, then, then it, you know, it's very unusual for, for all the opposition parties to club together and, and, and vote against something which was was the case in Holyrood. I mean, you know, the fact that there was a court case this morning uh, on this when, when the Scottish government were being taken to court uh, over the issue so late in the day when these regulations come into force in about, well, seven, eight hours time, yes. I think it sums it up nicely. It sums up perfectly why they're so angry and they're so confused. I mean, I, I asked the First Minister a question earlier uh, because I, someone was tweeting me in the middle of FMQ saying, I have no idea what the rules are. I don't know who's allowed in or who's not allowed in. I don't know how we're going to enforce it. Um, and these are these are basic you fundamental got, questions which, which weren't answered. You got a bit of a put down on that one from the well, first I wish place. I, I wish you I could have come back. They are exempt, aren't they? Yeah. Well, weddings are exempt, but not wedding venues. And the problem is, you if, you, if you're a bar or restaurant and you've got a group of people in tonight, ah, yeah. they are allowed in, but they're not allowed in tomorrow, but they might be allowed in on Sunday if there's a wedding. Uh, <laughs> they don't know if the music should be on or off. They don't know whether people should be sitting or dancing. The, the problem is, is that there was no no public awareness campaign around this. There, were no, there was no communication yeah, around it. And we know that because businesses are telling us that. I mean, we Douglas are listening Ross to came, businesses. Douglas Ross came away with this thing about you, you go in, you show your, 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 your pass at the door, you get in, and then they turn off the music. I mean, when were you last in a nightclub where no, they turned off the music? It's, it's it's bonkers. I mean, that, that, was, that was fantasy. That, that isn't going to happen. It's, it's unworkable, Brian, and that's exactly the, the point that we're making. It's unfair putting these businesses, and I know we could say it's just nightclubs, but it's not just nightclubs. No, Bars, restaurants, hotels, large, football large, stadiums. Large, large football crowds, yeah. Large football crowds. How many people are going to get turned away from something this weekend as a result of this botch policy? I have Quite no idea. Scotland clubs actually won't, won't qualify for that large football <laughs> uh, crowd definition. But that, that's a different question. Monica Lennon, what, what do you guys make of this? I mean, what, what does your party make of this? Well, I, th- I think it's a real shame that we're at this stage in the pandemic and there's still a lot of bickering going on about these really important issues because we know we're still in the pandemic. We know people are still getting the virus. Too many people are still in hospital. The NHS in Scotland will be on an emergency footing until at least March of next year. So that's really, really serious. And at the same time, businesses have been really struggling. The nighttime economy is on its knees. So I can really understand the, the, the fears and uncertainties in that sector uh, because jobs are at risk. But fundamentally, we need to all act responsibly and encourage people to go out there and get vaccinated, to get that vaccine into people's atoms. What about the the argument that one way of encouraging is to say, you want to go to a nightclub, you got to get vaccinated. it's, It's an incentive, if you like, a precise incentive. I think that will be an incentive for some people, but we're also hearing from experts that it will do the opposite and it will entrench vaccine hesitancy. So I have concerns that too many young people in my area, in Lanarkshire and Falkirk, are not going to get their vaccine. I'm concerned that the message is not getting out to everyone um, in the the black and ethnic minority community. Uh And again, I think that goes back to messaging. I think Jamie makes a fair point about public awareness and public education. So we need to have the right message carriers and we need to have the right tailored uh, messaging um it's a shame that these things end up in court and yeah. you know that's that's not really what businesses want to be 
doing right now. And I think there is a genuine point coming, not just from businesses, but all kinds of sectors, that the engagement with the Scottish Government hasn't been meaningful. Um, this is not easy for any government. We all accept that. You know, it's easy for people who are not in government to just have a go. We, we do, I think, all understand how difficult this is. But at this stage in the pandemic, with all the knowledge that we now have, we need to get better at this. We need to get the vaccine rolled out quickly. People are going to be getting their booster jags and the flu vaccine. And there's a workforce crisis in our NHS. So maybe the next podcast, Brian, you could do it in a nightclub. Maybe me and Jamie and Rona could come back. Um, and happy international <laughs> podcast. There'll be no music because it's not allowed. <laughs> no, no music. The last nightclub I remember was the, the JM Ballroom in Dundee. It's probably turned into something else now. But it was, it was awfully, awfully trendy at the time. David, David, David Ball, who's undoubtedly a, a nightclub uh, uh, regular, you know, he's he's down there strutting his stuff or whatever one one does in these these modern days. But David, I thought I thought the first minister looked and sounded a bit more confident on this topic today than she has done in previous days. Presumably, it was that court verdict there just bolstering her a bit in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my nightclub days are long behind me, unfortunately. So oh. with, a new, with a newborn baby at home, absolutely. Oh, all right, okay, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's a different <laughs> form of Saturday night fever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, I think she was probably more confident, given the court case verdict today, kind of played into her hands. I mean, that would have been a bit of a nightmare for her had it not gone her way, and then yeah. she still had to yeah. face these questions. So I think she has always stuck to why she's brought it in, and consistently said that if there are no vaccine passports the alternative could be over the winter that nightclubs and other business have to close again she's still saying that isn't she she's still saying that she's saying the alternative is closure do, do you really want want that Rona, let's let's talk about the i mean very interesting what monica was saying there about young folk in her area they're just not getting the vaccine for for whatever reason numbers of them anyway is there is there the beginning? Let me ask Ollie of this. We're going to start with you. Is there the beginning of folk? We're just sick of this. We're fed up of fed up with the constraints. We're fed up of it, and you know we want it over. I mean, it's an understandable feeling. Yeah. But is is it one perhaps we have to counter and we have to deal with as well? Well, I think most definitely, and I think, you know, I think that there is an element of that. But you can't wish it away. You really can't wish it away if you hear right. if you hear about the number of young people unvaccinated who are becoming, you know, fit fit young people, and, yeah. and now they're gravely ill in hospital. It's yeah. terrifying. So, so yeah. I think, um, you know, I think the thing about messaging is 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 absolutely correct. I agree. We need to have clearer messaging. I and mean, the only thing I would say about certain things is a fast moving pandemic, in the sense that we. Um, when we get the, the, the expert clinical advice, we have to act on it pretty quickly. And sometimes that's why the, the, things are done. It would seem um, quicker than the normal. But I, I completely agree. We have to get the message out that it's 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 just so important to get vaccinated. What do we, what do, we do, Monica? What you, you, you talked about the, the, the dilemma in your area. What do we do if, if it isn't, you know, physical incentives like you need this to get into certain uh, nightclubs, you need it to get into certain areas. If you don't do that sort of um, stick approach, if you like, what, what what do you do? How do you appeal to people if if what is being done at the moment is not working? You know, if they're not sufficiently scared or encouraged yeah. or, or motivated, what do you do? Well, we can do more to make it easier for people to access vaccine and, and testing. Um, so I think we take the vaccine to people. So I would like to see, certainly in my area, uh, more accessible locations. So, for example, if you live in, in Hamilton uh, or Blantyre, where I am, um, you have to go to the other end of Eastco Bride, which is hard to get to without public transport, or yeah. to Ravenscraig. So we're doing the, the big regional centre approach, but it's not good for people who... Are 
are, are relying on public transport who don't have their own cars. Um, mm. More mobile testing as well. Um, also, I think, you know, young people have had a really hard time. My daughter like, like is... Like going around the estate or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, make, yeah. Make, make, make it really, really easy for people. Um, uh, my daughter okay. is, is 15 and she recently went to Transmit, which was great for her and she really enjoyed that. But then they're back in school and young people are getting a hard time if they're having to wear a mask, not wear a mask. So there's been a lot of discourse around what happens in schools. And actually, if we can get back to basics, it seems like a really minor trivial point, but a lot of people don't have access to clean face coverings um, and schools are doing their best to hand them out. But we know that child poverty is an issue. We talked about it earlier on, but there's issues around, around face coverings. And actually, too many people... Um, have told me that they've come under real pressure from their boss um, when they get their appointment for their vaccine. Interesting. Um, um, you know, can you rearrange that? Because we're really busy. I've heard that from yeah. hairdressers. I've heard yeah. that from people who work in, in shops. Yeah. So there's also that issue about sick pay and making sure people have the right support to do the right thing if they do have symptoms and should be at home. For, the, for, the, for those uh, uh, older viewers and listeners out there, Transmit is a, is a concert involving various popular beat combos. Uh, J- Jamie, Jamie Green, J- Jamie, what, what can we do? What can we do to, to, to sort these things? Yeah, I mean, I think going back to your original question was, uh, are people suffering from pandemic fatigue? I mean, clearly the answer yeah. is yes. It's yes. been 19 yeah. months. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've put up with all sorts of unusual restrictions that we've asked uh, legislators to introduce laws that stop you leaving your house, that stop you going to work that stop you inviting friends and family into your, your living rooms and these these were horrible things every country in the world has had to go through this I, I think there is a general feeling that because we've now seen the other end of the tunnel because of the huge success of the vaccination program that people see that light and they're trying to get in much closer to it and the last thing we want is for that to narrow I think the only thing I would take issue with is this idea that if you raise questions about the implementation of a policy like the vaccine passport that somehow you're against taking measures to support uh, the, the health service or to, to reduce the virus we all have a shared collective to help reduce the virus and just because we question things or we disagree with things it doesn't mean that we want to do the opposite so okay. I think that's a really important point to make okay thanks 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 for that. I'm going to move to what, what I think, oh yeah, it'll have to be the final topic. Um, here's a quotation. The SNP and the Tories walk in lockstep. They both exploit the constitutional divide for their own ends. David, that was Keir Starmer, wasn't it, in his party conference <laughs> speech? What, what else did he have to say on, on you know, the general topics, but particularly on Scotland? Well, yeah, exactly. He's very much towing the same line that Anna Sawa sort of put out during the Holyrood election campaign, which didn't really cut through to the voters up here. Labour didn't really well, they went backwards in, in some ways, but um, he's basically yeah. trying to he's trying to play off the SNP and the Tories, both sort of wrangling over the constitution and trying to put forward Labour as the party that is pro-union, but one that is not getting involved in these squabbles. And he was talking about, wasn't he, uh, the, the, the the commissioner Gordon Brown is is chairing to, to look at ways of of strengthening the union or reforming the union. He was talking about that sort of thing as, as well. Do you think his heart was in it? It didn't seem to me as if it was the, the, the big one for him. Maybe, that, maybe that's unfair because he's coming to it relatively new. And as he said, he's not a professional politician, let alone a professional Scottish politician. Well, well no, he had quite a, he had a bit of a difficult week just keeping his party together as well at the conference. So uh, uh, he probably had more sort 
sort of pressing issues. But um, he is trying to put Labour out there as the party of the union, which, the, I mean, Jamie probably disagreeing, say that the, that the Tories have really had that ground up here. And I think he is trying to try and reassert Labour in Scotland because it's it's basically, that, as Anna Sawa said, it's the first red water fall. And if, if Labour want to make a yeah. move for power at Westminster, they need to get their act together up here. Monica, I was really struck by that. Anna Sawa's speech at the, the Brighton conference as well. He was saying, OK, you talk about the red walls. Hey, what about us? There's there's, there's some seats north of Hadrian's Wall that, that ought to be... He was really reminding his colleagues and reminding Keir Starmer and the others that the, if, if there is to be a battle um, on behalf of the Labour Party, it should begin north of the border, wasn't it? Um, well, I think it's pretty obvious that, that Scottish Labour has been losing elections for, for quite some time now. Um, but I think what the public want to hear from Scottish Labour or from any party is more about their interests. So that's why the discussion today yeah. about cost of living is so, so yeah. important. Um, yeah. I wasn't at party conference. Um, conferences are important, um, but sometimes there's a danger that we, we end up talking to ourselves. Um, mm. what, what I would say is that for me, Labour is the party of devolution. You know, we have to be the party of progress. Um, the work that I've been doing uh, since we came back after the election around net zero and, and climate change um, is, is, is really challenging, but also gives me a lot of optimism because we have to change the way we have to change the way we run our society, run our economy. So the opportunity for system change is something that I think really speaks to voters and, and actually goes across the constitutional debate. OK, Rona Mackay, are, are you and the Tories big buddies on, on this one? Are you perhaps like, I don't know, two, two boxers propping each other up in, in the ring and, you know, while, while Labour's stuck outside looking looking on? <laughs> what an image that conjures up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think Keir Starmer's gone down completely the wrong path, pathway with this. I mean... I mean, either he's not listening to the people of Scotland or he um, he doesn't understand what's going on up here, but he should because he's only got one MP down down in Westminster. Um, and, and I take no um, pleasure in, in the collapse of Labour. I'm a socialist. I, I was previously in the Labour Party many months ago. And I, I hate to see what's happening. You know, I really do. But at the same time, I think he, he really does have to open his eyes. Yeah, come on. You want Labour to revive? Are we you going, baby? Well, well, only if they support independence. <laughs> well, if they support independence. Uh, maybe they do, Rona. Maybe that's you, the point. No, maybe they do. But, you know, he, he's, he's gone down the come wrong on, path. Spare, and... spare us the crocodile tears. Yes. Yes. So, the, the alternative, the, the alternative to, yeah. to Boris yeah. Johnson and the Tories is Keir Starmer and, and Labour. And well, what I would say to, to Rona, well, what, no, but on the point of who, who runs the UK government, but the point I would say to, to Rona, because I think Dan, you're right. I think probably Keir Starmer does feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about Scotland and our future in the Union. And I think that's partly because any time um, any UK politician comes to Scotland, certain uh, people and parties shout them down no matter what they say. So I would like us to have... Well, he's he's just at the heckling, isn't he? He handled that quite well. But but generally, if we want want to try and solve some of the issues that would be a problem, even if Scotland's independent, we would still have to work with 
people in other countries and other parts of the UK. It's right. about having a more mature discussion. But absolutely, well, let's have that discussion. We, we well, have I'll, to... I'll bring you in a minute, Jamie. Rona, I interrupted you extremely rudely. Do carry on with your... No, your it's, it's, no really, I mean, I, I probably said, made my point, right. but it was just it was just to say that, you know, the, the, the people in Scotland have voted for independent supporting parties now um, for for, a, for more than a decade. And, and, and really, you know, he, he really does need to look and see what's happening here and listen and, and read the room, you know, get 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 what's going on up here and um and, and to go down this kind of um pro-unionist, you know, I'm the only one that can keep the UK together path, I think is entirely wrong. Jamie Jamie Green, are, are you content as a Conservative Party to be, you know, representing the union, corralling the union votes, standing against the SNB and thereby excluding Labour, the Liberal Democrats and others? I, I, I'm going to controversially say I'm very happy with Labour's demise in Scotland because it's kept me in a, in a job for, uh, for another five <laughs> years. Um, I mean, I think on a serious level, I think I think there is a strategic reason why Keir Starmer is, is pitching, as you said in the, in the opening, comments the Conservatives versus the SNP, the union versus the national argument. And the yeah. reason he's doing that is because I think he's probably a bit concerned about where his party sits in that debate. Uh, he either doesn't have a view or he does have a view and doesn't want to share it because I really don't know where he sits in that that, that debate. We, we, we've we obviously, you know, we, we, we wear that badge on our sleeves quite, yeah. quite firmly, as Rona does on the other side of it. And we have that debate respectfully where we can. But, but the problem with Labour, both in the UK and in Scotland, is I don't know where they sit on the issue of, of independence or another referendum and if they were much clearer with the electorate about that then perhaps they would do better. Monica enlighten us where are you on the well, independence referendum? Well, I think the party leadership has made that, that clear. I mean, we've just talked about today the fact that the NHS What's your position? Scotland, I mean, let's be clear. Well, what is your position? I'm about to speak about the, the NHS. It's an important point, Jamie, um, and I'm watching the clock here. But the point is, we're in a pandemic. We've just had the argument about vaccine passports and people not going for their vaccine. The NHS is on an emergency footing until March of next year. The army's been brought in. Aye. So... This isn't the, the, the right time to have a referendum on anything, I would say. But what when, I would when, say, when, I think it's when, absolutely when, fine. When might be a reasonable time to have that referendum and would you be in favour of that happening at some point during the present Holyrood Parliament? Well, I don't think it's helpful to try and put a date on that. We'll see what the First Minister brings forward, um, but we would not be in favour of having a referendum anytime soon. But what I think people want in this country, I think there is a majority of people who want change. They want devolution to work. They want to see the Scottish Parliament meeting their needs, even if things are not going well at a UK Parliament level. Um, but, and it is about but, it's actually getting on with the day job so you can be passionate about independence, passionate about the union, but okay. at the end of the day, if more and more people are falling into poverty because of bad choices by yeah. two governments, that is not progressive for anybody. But, but Monica, you talk about making things work, but in his in his conference speech, Keir Starmer said he wanted to make Brexit work. The people of Scotland voted two to one against Brexit. That's hardly going to go down well well north of the border. But we've left the European Union, so we do have to make this situation work. But I think we have to try, all of us, to not think about our own jobs like Jamie's just, Jamie's just mentioned, but think about the jobs that are at risk 
in our communities, the people who are struggling to put food on the table and pay those energy bills that Brian has talked about. These okay. are the big issues and we have to show They people- are the big issues, Monica, and, and you, you, you raise them rightly so and you're very good at making those points, but you didn't answer the simple question. The simple question is, should there be another independence referen- referendum within this session of Holyrood? You didn't answer the question and that's the problem and that's Keir Starmer's problem as well and that's why uh, Scottish Labour are all over the place on this issue. No, La- Labour's position is clear and that was clear at the, the um, election We've got a, a manifesto that makes that clear, Jamie. You know that. Ronald Mackay, Ronald Mackay, you you presumably would say they, they hold the referendum and and go for go for independence. But what what about the the, the fact that that Keir Starmer is talking about reforming the union? Isn't it possible that that might if he if he starts to look like a winner? Let, let's face it, if he starts to look like a winner at UK terms, in UK terms, doesn't that help the party, the Labour Party in Scotland, the party to which you you you, you used to profess adherence? Well, I think I mean I think it would, but I don't think he looks like a winner, frankly. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't see all of his speech, but I mean, I would say that anybody who speaks for an hour and a half needs a good sub-editor. Um, I think that's <laughs> the but um, you know, I, I, I just think that um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's I think you're just not facing facts about what's hap- what's happening up here, um, and 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 the reality is he's not he's he's not going to cut any ice. He needs Scotland. Um, David was right. You know, he needs Scotland to. I, I just don't see um, Labour getting into government anytime soon, and, and sadly that means we're stuck with the Tories for you know for however long. But don't you welcome that strategically in terms of what it what it does for you in Scotland? No, because we we want we want um, an independent. If Labour want to join us in our in our um, ah, goal okay. of independence, we would welcome them with open arms. But so far, that's not what we're hearing. We certainly didn't hear it from Keir Starmer, and I think he's he's you know on a hiding to nothing. Final, final, final word on this, Monica Lennon. Final word. Well, I think to go back to, to Keir Starmer, this was an important conference. It's his first conference as party leader, first yeah. time in a room with other people. Um, the speech was lengthy, but there was a lot of substance there. We heard a lot about Keir the man, his backstory, his public service. Um, I think it went on a bit longer because there was lots of interaction, lots of clapping from the conference floor. But I think we got a sense of who the man is. Unlike Nicola Sturgeon, who's been on the telly almost every day in Boris Johnson, Keir's had to make do with Zoom calls. So it's I think it's only right that the public gets to know him. And I think yesterday was a really good uh, um, reveal of, of who the man is. And I think we need to hear more of that. That's what it was. Those irritating standing ovations. Thank, thanks all three. And thank you, <laughs> David, for all as well. Monica, Jamie, Rona, And thanks to David. Absolutely tremendous stuff. Many, many thanks for joining me. Take care. Thanks to all of you for listening, watching, whatever one does for a podcast. I've never been entirely sure. For me, Brian Taylor, to move in. This podcast was brought to you by The Herald. Take 20% off an annual subscription to The Herald with our exclusive podcast code. Just add Herald Pod 2021 to your basket and get instant, unfiltered access to our website. And you can also get involved with the Brian Taylor podcast as well. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube every Thursday afternoon to catch Brian and his panel chat live and ask your questions to the people across the political scene. 